Matthew chapter 16. Uh, I'm reading from the New King James translation. Um, it might differ a little bit from yours, but I'm going to do the second part of uh, what God started on last week. Now, I'm, I'm warning you now, this is one of those seasons where I, I, don't, I try not to push this much, but uh, Sundays and Wednesdays go together uh, in this particular series and season. And there's some stuff that I need to teach about the kingdom of God. I can't get it all in on Sundays. And so if you're ready to go to that next level, if you're ready to go further in and deeper down, um, I, I would adjure you that this might be the time to make some sacrifices on some Wednesdays so that you don't miss not one part, not one key of what God wants to give you related to his, his kingdom. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this, that he is the Christ. He's the Messiah. That, that you didn't get that from people. You didn't read that in a book that wasn't on Instagram. But my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. Verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, that rock of who Jesus is, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you, now those that are in church, because they have the relationship with the Messiah, because they have the revelation of who he is, they have been joined by the Spirit into the family of faith that, that gathers itself at the church. And he says, and I will give those people in the church the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth or lock on earth will have been locked in heaven. And whatever you unlock or loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. And so I want to talk about kingdom keys part two. Kingdom keys part two. Remember I told you that keys provide access. If you don't believe it, get locked out. You, if you don't believe it, have to use the bathroom and be locked out. You need access. Uh, key, keys allow for uh, authorization and activation. I can guarantee you, you, you can go to this parking lot and pick any nice car that you want. But unless you have keys and unless you have ownership papers... Or the bank has ownership papers in your name, however that works. That car is not going to go without keys. It's not going to be activated without keys. When you have keys, keys are specific. Right? You can't use a, a, the lock for your door in your car. In some cases, if you're like me, you have three different keys to your house and you only know how to use one of them. I'm not real sure what the other two go to, but they came with it when I got the house. And just one day I might be locked out of something and need them so I don't throw them away. That they're specific to a lock. Keys, when you have keys, they represent authority. Anybody remember the school janitor had that big old ring with 50 11 keys on it 
and you couldn't get in the gym, you couldn't get in certain places till he showed up jingling and whipped out that big. And why did they always have the big old thing on the chain that came out from? And they flipping through keys in order to get you in. They have the authority because they have the keys. Keys are important. And Jesus says in Matthew 16 that for those who are in a relationship with him and because of that relationship, there is a connection to the church. He says to those individuals that he would provide keys. Now, he did not say keys to the kingdom of heaven. It's not like uh, you get saved, you're part of the church, and then uh, all the things that God wants to do in your life, you have to wait till you get a key to get to them. Somebody act like they weren't here last week. Do I need to do some review? Do I need to go back? And remind you that the minute that you and I are saved, the minute that we, we, we make that profession of faith in what Jesus has done for us, that three things happen simultaneously. We are at that moment eternally secured in him. That we, we have a ticket punch to go to heaven. At that same time, in that same moment, we are given by God his Holy Spirit so that God doesn't just live out there. God lives in here. He lives in here. He lives in my mind. He lives in my life. And because he lives in my life, he does two things at the same time because he's in me. Because he's in me, I am in Christ. I know this is a bunch of deep theology, but think through this. It's, it's called, uh, theologically, it's called the mutual indwelling. That I am in him, so whatever he's in, I'm in. And he's in me so that whatever I'm in, he's there with me. Then at the same time, because of that Holy Spirit, I have been adopted and brought into and made. Here's, here's some Wednesday night, folks. I've been made a joint heir with Jesus so that I have been brought into relationship with the church. And so at that point, because I'm in heaven, because I'm in Christ, and because I'm in the church, then I don't need to get to the kingdom. I'm already there. He says, I will give you the keys, not to the kingdom, but of the kingdom. Now, remember, I reminded you that by definition, by definition, we're talking about the kingdom of God being uh, the governing influence of heaven on earth. What God thinks in heaven, we think needs to be thought on earth. What God wants in heaven, we think it should happen on earth. Now, in order to help bring that governing influence of heaven on earth, we have to be in right alignment and positioning with the king. Because if I, I, I can't, um, I, I cannot talk crazy and still be in right relationship and favor with Obama. Remember a few years back when Obama was first running for president and they caught Jesse Jackson on a live mic talking crazy as if he was going to do something to Obama if Obama didn't kiss his ring as if he was the heir apparent and the Lord and authority. And remember all that? And, and, and everybody came out and said, Jesse, 
we was with you in 84. We kind of was trying to believe you in 88, but right now, sat down. Because if you're not in right alignment with the one who is the governing authority, you can't expect that favor and that relationship to yield positive results. Right? I, I cannot, um, uh, single people, cover your ears. I, I cannot talk crazy to my wife all day long and then think the promised land going to be open that night. You have to be in right alignment. Does that make sense? Now, now realize that the kingdom of God, when we talk about the kingdom of God as Jesus teaches it, realize that the kingdom of God is superior to any of the world's religious systems, political ideologies, governmental processes, or social structures. Uh, okay, let me see if I can say it like this. God intended to bring about a royal family through which he could release his kingdom. We thought he meant a religion. I messed some folks up on Wednesday night because I need you to understand. Um, I'm extremely critical of the church because I'm in it. And when I look at what the church was intended to do and to be by Jesus and then look at how we do it, they're not on the same wavelength. And there are some folks who won't come to church because they assume this relationship with Jesus means a religion. Because we perpetuated that. Jesus didn't come to set up a a religion. He came to set up a kingdom. Okay, let me see if I can help you. All that God intended to do and to be about, he reveals in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 3, we mess it up. So the rest of the Bible is how God is going to work in and through humanity to bring about his kingdom to get it back to Genesis 1 and 2. That's why by the time you get to Revelation 20 and 21, at the end of the book, the, the, the garden has become a city. And the people are still in right alignment with the king because now everything has been restored to what happened at the beginning. So when we talk about the kingdom, realize that the kingdom of God, the way that Jesus taught it, provides for the value, the equity, and the significance of every human on the planet. See, when we get involved, there's big eyes and little U's. There's haves and haves nots. There's those with power and there's those in the hood. But the kingdom, because it wasn't meant to be a religion and because it wasn't meant to be a governmental system, it provides for the equaling of everybody at the foot of the cross. One of the, one of the reasons why we feel like it's okay for somebody to, to rip families apart and put some folks in cages is because, well, well we, we looking out for us. We want to protect our borders. That's not kingdom. Because kingdom sees value in everybody. The kingdom sees purpose in every person. I know I'm I'm rambling. I'm sorry. Here we go. All right. So Jesus reintroduces the concept of the kingdom of God that was lost in the Old Testament. But he doesn't want it to be formalized as a religion he wants it to be released as a lifestyle and a purpose and meaning and destiny for why you're here. 
what Jesus intends for each of us is that the time that we have on earth, he wants it to be about our value, our purpose, and what we add rather than what we have to put up with. See, part of the problem with church is we we try to help you put a Band-Aid on what you have to put up with when we're supposed to give you keys of the kingdom so that you see why you have meaning, why you're important, why you still have time, why you still have strength, and what's still in front of you. But now, he said he would give the keys, but we have to know what the keys are for and how to use them. He said in Luke 8 and 10, Jesus says, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now, they're not mysteries because they're esoteric. They're mysteries because when you know how to use them, the the world works a certain way for you. And see, what religion will do is religion will give you a shot in the arm to make you feel better about what you have to put up with so that you can make it through a whole week till you come back and get another shot. But what Jesus wants you to do is to know how things operate. So that no matter what you face, you already know how to rise above and work through. Man, it's tough sledding up in here today because some folks came just to get their breakthrough. All right, so let, let me explain to you. Jesus said it has been given to you to know. He wants you to know how the kingdom works. He said that he would give us the keys of the kingdom of heaven because when you have the keys of the kingdom, you know how to loose the kingdom's resources in your right now, right? So, so let me, let me kind of give you a clue, right? Write this down. Let me give you the key to keys, okay? You will literally not find this anywhere can't find it on a book it's not on a website it's not in my book yet (laughs) be quiet because none of y'all have to write it here's the clue here's the clue the clue to finding a kingdom key is to look through Jesus's teaching okay the stuff in red that helps anybody at all where there's red Every time you see a scenario or analogy introduced by the word if, what's about to follow is a kingdom key. It's going to show up in every translation because in every translation, the the henna subjunctive clause, it's it's the clause of conditions. So the Greek word henna, since, if, or in order that. It, it, so every, every English translation is going to translate that as if. So if you're in the NIV, it's going to be if. If you're in the New King James, it's going to be if. If you're in the New Living Translation, if you're in the King James, it's going to be an if. Wherever there is red teaching and you see an if, start to pay attention. Because what will follow will be what Jesus wants to show you about how you can operate or how you don't have to operate because you're in the kingdom. Now, I'm going to show it to you in just a second. Because keys or principles work for particular locks. Remember I told you that keys are specific. You can't use a certain kind of key to a certain kind of lock. And when you find these keys, here's the deal. You have to figure out which lock it's for. 
so that whatever you lock down can stay locked down. Whatever you unlock has to stay unlocked. And once we know the principles behind these keys, we can understand how they work and how to apply them in real time. You cannot appropriate what you don't understand. You can't use for you what you have to, well, it's too hard for me to understand. you, You have to do the hard work of the digging to know both the key and the problem. Because, again, what you think might be the problem might be a symptom. My wife might think that her misery is because of who she married. She might be right. But it may be a symptom and not the real problem. I need to know what the locks are so I know which key to use. Does that make sense to you? Because whatever you prohibit, Jesus says, I'm going to lock it down. Whatever you lock, I will have already locked it in heaven. Whatever you unlock on earth, I will have already unlocked the resources in heaven. So let me give you at least some of what I have discovered as keys. All right? Here's the first one. The first one is... The key of authority. The key of authority. This is Jesus' authority as king at our disposal for the purpose of doing kingdom business in the earth. Listen, the key of authority is when I want Jesus' authority on earth for what I'm trying to do for him on the earth. Not, with, not necessarily what I'm trying to do for me. If I'm just trying to come up, this key is not going to work. But when I recognize that he's given me an assignment and a mission, and I'm trying to get the mission done, but something isn't allowing this mission to go forward, I can use the key of Jesus' authority given to me to unlock those, those situations. Watch what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Jesus, he's, he just rose from the dead. He meets his disciples in Galilee. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. In other words, I have the authority. Now I'm giving it to you to go and do. All right, you don't see it. Mama used to say, I'm getting ready to go to the stove. My mama didn't say stove. But y'all know what I mean. I'm getting ready to go to the store. So I'm going to leave your big sister in charge till I get back. Mama took her authority and gave it to my sister who thought she was Hitler. Wanted us to be goose-stepping around the house just because mama left. I don't think so. Somebody like me has to rebel. The authority was mom's. Mom gave it to her to operate for her and as her till she came back. 
when Jesus says, I have been given all authority and I'm giving it to you, it's not so that you can be a big baller and shot caller. It's so that you can operate for him and as him until he returns. Matter of fact, Jesus is impressed with those who understand how authority works. There's a story in Matthew 8 uh, where this centurion, this this non-believer, had a servant who was sick. And he asked Jesus to come and heal his servant. Now, Jesus didn't have to. He wasn't obligated to. But the guy guy asked. So Jesus said, I'm, I'm willing to go and break Old Testament law by going to the house of a non-Jew. But watch what the centurion said. Jesus said, listen, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. If you issue the command based upon your authority, you don't have to show up. You just have to speak. And then he says, because I'm a man under authority, I'm not a general, but I am an officer. So I know what it's like to have to salute to somebody higher than me. But I also know that when you give that authority as an officer, he says, I tell this one's private, you go and he has to go. I say to this one sergeant, you come and he has to come. Because what authority is, authority is issued through verbal commands. And when Jesus heard the man say, I understand authority, watch what Jesus says. He said, I haven't found such great faith in all of Israel. Jesus equated an understanding of authority with great faith. Now, he had just told his disciples, O ye of little faith. Because they were in a storm and felt like they had to wake up Jesus because they were going to die. Somebody doesn't get it. Just because you're going through something doesn't mean you have to come and beg, oh, Jesus, please help me. If you understand the key of authority, all you have to do is issue the verbal command based upon the commanding officer who has delegated authority to you. And you use the key on the lock and watch the storm have to still. So so the question becomes, how do we access this delegated authority. Um, look, look what John 14 says. What, what's the first word? If. Here's, here's the conditional clause. If you have the guts, the gumption, and the understanding to ask anything in my name. In, anything. 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 Anything you ask in my name. He doesn't say, I'm going to think about it. He doesn't say, I'm going to put it on the to-do list. He doesn't say, give me a minute. He doesn't say, well, when my check come in next week. He says, and if you have the guts to use the key of authority and ask anything in my name, I'm going to make sure, whatever, because you understand authority, because you know who you are, whatever you have asked me to do, and you've signed it in my name, Jesus said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. 
if you issue the verbal command in my name, the promise of Jesus, it's in red in John 14. I will do it. Now, he doesn't say, if you beg in my name. Oh, Lord, please. I don't know if you want to, but Lord, if you want to, pay my school bill. If I understand the authority he has delegated to me, I don't have to wait on him. I simply have to issue the verbal command by my faith, and Jesus will respond to my verbal command. So watch this. Whenever there are locks of resistance, particularly demonic, wherever there is a lock of resistance... Wherever there are feelings of helplessness and hopelessness, wherever there is opposition to kingdom advancement, the key of authority should be used. Whenever you feel like I'm moving in the direction that God wants for me to go, but something is pushing against me and it seems like every door I knock on is, is closed to me, that's the time to whip out my key of authority. And ask in his name and for his kingdom's sake, let what you desire to do in heaven be done right now in front of me. And Jesus says, I will have locked it, unlocked it in heaven and loosed it on earth. So, so let me say this, because there are some folks, you know, um, you know oh, oh, the devil is on my tracks. Well, first of all, let me ask this. Why would the devil himself be the one to have to stop his global plan to spend particular time with you. What are you doing that's so awesome for the kingdom? Sometimes what we call the devil is actually consequences of our decisions. The, the devil is on my tracks. He, he, just, he just won't let me get through. Why, why are you talking to us about what has been locked away from you when Jesus says, I want to give you a key? And if you understand who you are, you won't spend time focusing on him. We spend more time focusing on what the devil or demons are doing to us rather than understanding what has been already given to us. And that's just one key. Whenever, whenever you're stuck at that point, we're feeling like it's never going to get any better than this. I don't see a way out. I don't know if it's going to work. That's the time to whip out your key. And issue the verbal command to your circumstances. For your circumstances to align with God's will for you in heaven. Many of us live defeated. Because we don't understand our authority as joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Think about this. That we have been called joint heirs with Jesus. 
So whatever Jesus gets from the Father, we also get. That that doesn't sink in. So that when Jesus walked by a man and said, I am willing that you be healed, the man was healed. So whatever was downloaded and delegated to Jesus has also been made available to be accessed by anybody who is a joint heir. So you can either talk about, I need a prescription for this, or you can whip out your key. That's the first key. I'm not going to get through all of these. Here's the second key. This is the key of agreement. Where two or three are gathered in his name. When you look at this this verse in Matthew 16, where he says, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. There's another place where Jesus also says that. That same phraseology also appears in Matthew chapter 18. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is dealing specifically with when there are sin problems in church. (gasps) There's sin in church? Yes, I brought it with me today. Where there are sin issues in church that are dividing the unity of the body. Jesus says, listen, this is how I want you to handle it. There's a specific way that you deal with this conflict. And he gives a three-step process. Then he says at the end, if they're not willing to listen to all of the wisdom and the biblical counsel through these three steps, then you have to treat that person as an unbeliever. If they can't hear God in church... Maybe they don't play for this team. Right? Because then he says in Matthew 18, verse 18, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Same phraseology. Then in verse 19, 19 he says, Again, I say to you that, here's our word, if, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask it will be done for them by my father in heaven because he says in verse 23 20 where two or three are gathered together in my name he says i i'm the fourth person in the party watch this where there is unity agreement of direction, of purpose, of, of what God intends to do on earth through his kingdom. If, if God can get just two people to say, I, I believe that this is what God wants to happen. He, he don't need 10,000 if he can get two. If he can get two people to be together long enough to quit arguing about who's in charge. Or who gets to pray first. Or whose whose perspective we listen to. He says, if I can get just two. Why just two? Because it's only husband and wife. If I can get a husband and wife to agree. If I can get two prayer partners to agree. If I can get two church folk to agree. I don't care who it is. But if I can get two humans to agree on earth about anything. No, no. Where where does this come from? It's kind of interesting because this key of agreement 
is a kingdom principle that is universal. What does that mean? Okay. A kingdom principle that is universal means it's a principle that works under everything that God has created, whether you are a believer or not. It's, it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like the universal kingdom principle of giving. If you give, it shall be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Think of how much stuff Oprah has given away and she's still on the Forbes list. Because the principle works whether you are in church or not. Agreement, the principle and the key of agreement works whether you're a believer or not. If he can just get two folk together to quit arguing with each other and come into agreement and unity in direction, he says, I'll open up every door. We know this is a universal principle because of what happened in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. Remember Tower of Babel, the people had just come out of, had just survived the universal flood. And they came together in one city. And they said, listen, we're we not going to let God take us down like that again. What we're going to do is we're going to build a building that will reach up into heaven. So no matter how, how high it floods, we'll be above it and we'll make our way to God and get in his face about it. And the Bible says they came together and started to build this city. And God himself had a staff meeting. The Godhead came together and said, hey, y'all, listen, we need to check the situation out. He said, he said to himself. In verse 6, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they all agree to begin to do. And watch the next phrase. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. These God-haters got together and agreed, and God himself says, we won't be able to stop because they've agreed on it. Wait, wait. The God who can do anything but fail says if they agree, we can't stop it? Yes. That's how powerful the key of agreement actually is. Whatever they propose to do, God says we can't, we can't hold it from them. It shall be done. Now, that's messing with somebody's theology. So, okay, all the Pentecostal folks, let me take it to Acts 2. Remember on Acts 2, the Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They agreed to show up at the same place and do the same stuff together. And when they showed up together in agreement, the Bible says there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and the, and the whole place was filled where they were sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as he gave utterance. Because there was agreement, power was released through their agreement. If y'all can quit fussing on the budget, if y'all can quit fussing about what we need to do, if we can come together and submit to each other and agree on direction, God will release power that God himself won't be able to stop what we do. So listen, wherever there are locks of division, 
there's a lack of direction. Okay, let, let's say it, in, in, in your area that you are supervisor over, that it seems like we all can't get together and agree on how to go about this project. If you can just find you and somebody else to agree. Where, wherever there are decisions that need to be made regarding kingdom business, the key of agreement should be used. Every married couple ought to decide we will fight until we agree. Because if we agree, if we can agree on direction, if we can agree on how to raise kids, if we can agree on how to use our resources, if we can agree on, on where we're going, if we can agree on how many times we're supposed to have sex, wherever there is agreement, the power of God is released. I know some of y'all like, he cares about that? He cares about that too. Since he made all of the parts. The issue isn't what he, what he likes. The issue is what can we get together and agree on. If you don't like what you see happening to your country, you don't need to write your senator. You don't need to watch CNN and worry about what they say on MSNBC. You need to find you one other believer who believes that the kingdom will come and God's will will be done. And when y'all start declaring it, praying it, and believing it together, the Bible says two of y'all can put 10,000 to flight. Why do you think... The devil is working so hard to use certain people in certain offices to divide. Why is it that it's easier to argue than it is to agree? Because the devil knows if you get that key, he's already lost. I got a third one, but I, I feel the Holy Spirit moving right here. I, I, I need some folks who are struggling because where you're trying to go and who you're trying to go with, there's no agreement. If that's you, I need you just to stand right quick. I'm trying to see this thing happen, but I don't have anybody to agree with me. I speak over your life as you are standing. God sees your heart, and he's not holding against you what they won't agree with. And, God, I hear you clearly. And God says to you that he agrees with you. And with God on your side, Whatever you desire to do for God's glory, hell can't stop. The one who's supposed to agree with you can't block. And I speak a releasing of grace on your life to the point that even when they don't want to agree with you, they'll have to see God working in you and they will get alongside whether they want to or not. You stand and decree and declare that your key works because of the one who gave it to you.
and watch God begin to unlock and loosen and, and seep through the cracks and bring you to the place of your heart's desire because God says, I agree with you. I agree with what you see and desire in your spirit, and I shall help you bring it to pass, says the Lord. Now lift your hands. Repeat after me. I will not. Come on, repeat after me. I will not be bitter about what they don't agree with but I will use my key and agree with God and watch God open doors that they can't close and close doors that they can't open and I will see the release and the power and the purpose of God in my life in Jesus name now, if you believe it, I need you to put your hands together. I need you to praise God. Thank you that you got my back. Thank you that you got my back. I only got a couple more minutes. Let me, let, me give you the, let me give you the next key. Let me give you the next key. Give you the next key. It's called the key of alignment. Alignment. It's hard to drive straight when your tires aren't in alignment because they'll keep pulling you in a direction that you don't intend to go. When we talk about alignment, we're talking about being in line, rightly lined up with his means, with his agenda, with his heart. That we will align our lives with his priorities. His priority, not your priorities, his priorities. Because <laughs> I know some folk that they love Jesus, but they're out to build their kingdom. He never promised to build your kingdom. He said he's going to bring his to pass. And maybe if I align what I do and what I want with what he wants, maybe along the way I'll get the same fulfillment as if I had built my kingdom. Well, well Pastor, what makes you say that? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the stuff, all the things, all the desires will be added to you but you've got to align yourself with his kingdom and his right ways you know don't 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 see righteousness and get religious well i can never do everything right he's not asking you to pursue perfection he's asking you and i to pursue the things that do right by god okay think about this the stuff that you and I do that isn't right with God, he's already paid for through Jesus. So he's not asking you to do what Jesus already did. He's asking you and I to do rightly by God. Somebody still doesn't see it. Okay, let me see. The, when, when, when you see and all these things, the word all, 
speaks of a total submission and dedication. It excludes any half-heartedness. There was another word I wanted to use, but I'm in church. Um, see, when, when I play religious games with a kingdom-minded God, right? So religion is what I do when I show up in the moment, and then the rest is for me. Don't, don't act like I'm the only one who's ever had that struggle with, okay, God, I gave you your time on Sunday. Uh, see, y'all judging me. Forget y'all trying to act brand new. I know I'm not the only one, like, right? Because I got a Monday through Saturday, and I'll give you your time on Sunday. That's religion. He says, seek the kingdom, and that means in everything. That means all the time. That means every moment. That means in all that you do. So you don't have a job. You have a kingdom opportunity from God to do what fulfills you and get paid by somebody else. You don't have a relationship. You have an opportunity from God to learn about yourself in the mirror of somebody else. When we obey Jesus with everything about us, we're able to push all non-essentials out of the way and focus on kingdom purpose. Watch this. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's dealing with a set of core values about how you do what you do. Well, well how do I find that? Okay, let me teach you. I got to teach for a second. I don't need them to feel good. I need them to listen. Okay. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 give us the ways and means and the parameters with which kingdom people think, operate, feel, and do. Remember, he said, I'm going to give all of this to you. You don't have to dig somewhere. You don't have to go in a library. I'm going to give it to you. So that when I start to adjust what, how I would react to what has been revealed about how kingdom people ought to think and act, then I'm aligning myself with the heart of God. And in that moment that I align myself with him, now I have kingdom resources. Let me give you an example. Matthew 7, Jesus says, Don't judge people lest you get judged by the same measure that you judge them. So, if I am in the mall, minding my own business, and I see somebody, you know, just wiling out, and my judgment on them is, see, that's why they shouldn't let ghetto people up in here. Then, on Monday, I go to my job, and I get labeled by a supervisor because of my skin color, I can't be mad. Because I'm being judged with the same measure that I used. If you don't walk a mile in that person's moccasins, maybe you ought to pray rather than judge. So as soon as I make the decision to not see them in a certain light and instead see them as God sees them, now I'm aligning with the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
And when I do that in every area of my life that I can think of and I have to continually do it, watch this, the Bible says that that becomes a key. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. What illuminates your heart is how you see. Then he uses our little word, if. If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. There's the key. If I can change up and adjust to think, do, act, and behave not like what comes out of me naturally, but aligning myself with what he says are the ways to think, operate, and behave. Now, what happens is I have aligned myself with him and all of the things get taken care of. You're not following me. Uh, See, many of us, our lives are driven by our circumstances or our mood. You ever woke up mad and decided you're going to be mad for the rest of the day and then get home and have tension in your neck because you've been stressed all day? You made that decision yourself when you woke up. Many people, are their lives are driven by what challenges they face. But when we align with God, we keep the main thing the main thing. Now, we live based upon purpose and passion, not based upon how we feel or what's happening. See, church would love for you to only live by what's happening. Because if you live by what's happening, you'll continually need the church. But Jesus came to free us from everything that would enslave us, including religion. Oh, I'm messing with somebody's whole situation now. Because when I understand how to align with him, and now it it perpetrates and infiltrates everything that I do, now life is about what I'm assigned to do, not what they said, not what the man is doing, not how they act in these streets, not how they look at me, not at how I'm being judged. Now I am here on assignment, and I am freed from people, their opinions, their haterade, whatever it is that they're doing, and every day is about what what God birthed me to be, not what's done to me. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if, if the salt forgets who it is, if the salt decides it doesn't want to be salty, how are we going to turn it back into salt? Because it's driven by its circumstances now, it's not good for anything but to be trampled on by people. Maybe you're having such problems with people because you're not being salty. You're not living based upon an understanding of your purpose and assignment. And all of that comes when you're rightly aligned. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor, how do I know my purpose in God? Rather than looking for the purpose, align with what you know. And it'll give you a key, watch this, to unlock your own purpose and mission and destiny on earth. So whenever there are distractions, whenever there is a lack of purpose or a loss of focus or diluted commitment, 
or a need for a direction or a decision about the future, that's where I use the key to align me. And answers will come because I'm aligned. Many of us pray asking for God to show us his will when we are not living the will that we know. And he won't give you more of his will until you operate in the will that you already have. I wish I had a dollar for every time over the last 20 years somebody has come to me from church and said, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what God wants me to do. I wish I understood why God placed me on earth. A lot of times that won't come when, when you're playing that put your left foot in and take your left foot out. When you're rightly aligned, the key comes to unlock purpose and focus and what you are to do next. That, that's really what fasting is all about. It's trying to get myself back in alignment and cut off all the distractions and remember what it means to be salty again. Many of us are living below God's purpose because we're not using the key of alignment. Because when you are aligned with him, he doesn't operate in the fuzzy. He doesn't operate in the unknown. He said, I want to give it to you. I want to show you. But you got to quit playing games with me. You, you got to quit, quit saying that we're in a relationship on Facebook, but then you're on Instagram with somebody else. Jesus said, I want to give you keys. Because when you have keys... There's certain stuff that religion won't give you that will come from the kingdom. I've given you some locks. I've given you some keys. I've given you ways to find keys. But there's a few more that I want to give you on next Sunday. Because when you know that you have keys of the kingdom, watch this. You won't be worried about the demonic you won't worry to be worried about the human obstacles. You won't be worried about the financial obstacles. You won't be worried about how to do and what to do next. You'll be like that janitor. And you're able to go everywhere God wants you to go and do everything that he has assigned you to do rather than trying to run back and get to church so you can get right. I need everybody standing. I didn't, I didn't come here today to fix you. Because many of us, we think that's what we come to church for, to get fixed. I didn't come to fix you. I came to show you some keys. To show you that he's already fixed it for you. Now it's a matter of knowing what you've already got. And using it according to his word for the kingdom to be released in your life. I can't wave a magic wand. I can't make you want it for you. 
you've got to desire it. Because when you go after his kingdom, you won't have to worry about the stuff. The stuff will be added when he needs you to have it. Ooh, I'm messing with, I'm messing with somebody's whole situation right now. Because you, you think you need it now. Keep seeking the kingdom. He'll add it when you need it. I, I wish... I wish this thing worked the way our culture works. That if you can just get enough followers on social media, you can make yourself into a celebrity. But the kingdom always works backwards. He makes you a celebrity and then tells you to get other followers. Somebody missed it. Somebody missed it. You are already in and you already are what he needs you to be. Now quit acting like you want somebody else to like you. Be about the kingdom and watch other folks align with you. Just this past week, there's some things that we've been seeking about the Rock Center. Some stuff we're going to talk about and show you next month that's going to blow your mind. Whole year. January, matter of fact, October through July. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work. Lord, show me. Lord, show me. Lord, show me. The minute I started focusing on keys, Thursday, God brought to the table dollars, partners, materials, and opportunities that I didn't have to write an email for, didn't seek after, didn't have to try to call somebody else up because when you seek the kingdom, he'll add what you need. So this is how we end on today. He's shown you keys. Quit looking around for instant answers and start using your keys. Whatever the locks are, Whatever the opposition is, whatever it looks like to you, quit looking at it and telling God how big it is. And get busy telling it how big your God is.